Hello and welcome back to Not Just Paleo. I'm your host, Evan Brand, and today we're talking about getting my butt or getting your butt out of a chair and standing up. Now, if you're someone who stands for your job, then you may already be experiencing the benefits, but as someone who is on the computer a lot, it's really easy to just want to sit down and become lethargic and you sort of lose your creativity and I've noticed from standing that I've had a little bit more energy and creativity. I still get tired standing as well so I've been alternating but it's just been sort of a fun experiment I've been trying out lately and a lot of research is coming out about the insulin resistance and things like that can occur from sitting too much. So Anyway, we'll get into the show in just a minute. I just want to say, go get on the newsletter if you haven't back at notjustpaleo.com and get your free guides. I'm still getting emails about people loving these, especially the one about how to calm your system. It's a 29-page guide I wrote for free back at the website. And I'm also opening up 11 more spots for a four-month coaching plan. So click coaching back at the website. You can find more info. Here we go. I'm back here with Luke Leafgren of Stand Stand, and I told him I felt guilty for sitting or attempting to sit to do this podcast because uh, he is working for a company, or maybe he's created these. I'm not sure actually the full story. I've purposely not educated myself enough so that he can fill us in, but I'm using this little bamboo stand. If you haven't looked on my Facebook page yet, you should go there and check it out, but I'm using this bamboo stand here. And it's super portable. I've been in the market for standing desks for a long time. And I was looking on Amazon and found the $1,200 huge assembly that takes up your whole room. And it requires electricity and down payments. And you have to finance it like a car. I mean, it's just insane. And then somehow, I came across this little stand stand. And uh, and I hit up Luke and said, Luke, I have to try this out. You know, this is this is a huge issue of conflict for me working as a desk jockey but not wanting to be chained to the desk what do i do and this is the solution so luke welcome to the show so happy to be here evan thanks for having me yeah so so tell us i mean did you did you create this how did your how did you and stan stan become a, into existence well the story started about um 15 months ago i started thinking about a problem in my own life much like you were describing for yours the idea that i spend a lot of time on the computer um, and I have this growing awareness that it's all unhealthy for me, all the sitting that I do. Um, you've probably seen, as I did, uh, some of the articles and um, warning signs that started circulating in these past few years. There's more and more research about how sitting hurts us, not just in the obvious ways, like you know, back joints and uh, you know, hips and back and so on, but it, uh, sitting all day affects our metabolism, and that can... You know, increase our chances of getting heart disease or even various cancers. Um, so that started concerning me. Um, and my job takes me all different places. So I did think about getting a, you know, investing in a standing desk uh, for my office or at home. But, you know, that's not the only place I work. Um, I work as the dean um, of one of the undergraduate dormitories at Harvard University. And so some of the time I'm in my office, I'm working at home, I'm working in the dining hall in the libraries on campus, in various meetings, and in all these places, I was wishing for the opportunity to stand up um, while I used my laptop. Um, so like you, I did some searching online, but you didn't really find anything. I thought there's got to be something like this out here. I'm not the only one with this idea, but I didn't find anything. And so that's when I started thinking. It was about last January or February. Um, 
how could I design a product like this? Um, you know, I, it came to me actually in a morning meditation session. I was, uh, you know, instead of following my breath, my mind jumped to this idea that I could just make one. I should figure this out and find something uh, that would be as portable as my laptop since I'm taking my laptop everywhere. It needs to be that easy to carry. Um, within a week, I had my first prototype. Um, it had some issues, and so that's when that iterative process of getting in touch with people, getting some advice, trying something else out, um, that's when it all began. Um, the process continued last spring, and then last summer, I went back to Superior uh, in northern Wisconsin, which is where I'm from, and that's where uh, my friend, a high school friend of mine, is running a cabinetry shop. It's a place that uh, his father started, and I worked there when I was in college, uh, spent a couple summers. And I spent a week, and every day would develop the prototype a bit and go home and think about the problems I ran into, do a little more sketching. Uh, but by the end of the week, I had something very similar to the current design of Stand Stand. Um, at first, I had thought it was going to be just something for myself um, to solve this personal need I had in my life. But one of the students that I work with sent me a link to uh, another a Kickstarter campaign where somebody was selling a desk and had raised $650,000 from all these backers. And that's when I realized that there are people out there who are facing this same problem or having a similar issue and wanting to be able to stand more while they work. Uh, and so that's when I started thinking maybe I should um, you know, put this out there as well, uh, see if there's some interest. And so with my high school friend, with this uh, buddy Paul and my wife Lindsay, um, we planned a Kickstarter campaign, uh, launched it late August. It ran for two months. Um, we ended up getting uh, 1,800 backers and raised over $118,000. So there was a huge, uh, huge excitement about this. And people were passing it out to their friends. It was covered in uh, Business Week, Fast Company. Uh, Slate was a really big one for us. Um, and then, you know, with that money, we bought a large uh, a CNC machine that would cut out the panels. And then uh, in the shop, in Paul's shop, that's where they would be standed and finished. Uh, we have some, you know, Lindsay's cousin designed the packaging for us. And, you know, we got them all out uh, by Christmas. And since then, we've been selling online at standstand.com. And, you know, this is kind of a side business for us. We've all got Lindsay, Paul, and I all have other things that we're doing, but it's something we're passionate about. We really like this, this idea of helping more people uh, take advantage of the, of the health and productivity benefits of standing up. So we're just happy and excited to see where this is going to go. Cool. So, I mean, when the Kickstarter first started, was it struggling at first? I mean, I feel like you'd be freaking out, like, we're not going to make it. Yes. Um, I've later talked to other Kickstarters, other Kickstarter creators who had a very different experience. You know, some people um, are much more sophisticated than we were. We were kind of throwing it together last minute. Um, we knew we wanted to ship things by Christmas, and so we had a date that we had to stop the Kickstarter campaign, so that meant we had a date we had to start it in order to have, you know, run the campaign. And we didn't do as much planning as really we should have, and so we learned so much through that experience. One of the things I've learned subsequently is that people line up... Um, reviews and contributions starting several months in advance so that on the very first day of the campaign, already they get half of their 
uh, half the amount they're seeking, half of their goal. And that brings a lot of attention. It you know, bumps them up in Kickstarter's algorithm so they're, they get on the front page and then they get more attention. It's kind of a momentum that builds on itself. For us, we didn't really, you know, we're not experts at this. And uh, the first three weeks were actually really tough. Um, there would be days when, you know, we'd be super excited to get 10 new backers. Somebody would pass it on to a friend and so on. And that would be great. Um, but then in the third week, it would be like, maybe we'd get three in a day and lose two. Or one would sign up and two would drop out. And so there was a time when we were actually going backwards. And it was right around that time that a friend of ours um, connected us with a journalist at Fast Company um, who had written about other standing desk things, other standing desk solutions on Kickstarter. And uh, we sent him a sample to try out, and then he uh, got in touch for an interview. And um, once we got that story, other people started to take uh, other people started to take note, and that changed our trajectory. Um, we started, you know, all along the way, we were reaching out to people, but it's hard to get people's attention. I'm sure um, bloggers and magazines get, you know, a hundred emails a day with new ideas and products. One of the exciting days was when. I got an email from Slate. You know, we had reached out to a couple of my favorite Slate authors, uh, but didn't hear back at all. But we did find, you know, a physical address, and so we just put a stand stand in its package, sent it off to them, and then a couple weeks later, I got this email <laughs> saying, "Hey, uh, we got this thing in the mail. The packaging is really cool. Can we write about this?" And that was uh, that was a big day for Stand Stand because, you know, in the next days after that, you know, we got several hundred new backers on Kickstarter. That's amazing. I figured that's what it took. I mean, even for myself, you know, I kind of told you about what I'm working on behind the scenes. You just need that one lucky break or that one little channel that just opens the doors. Otherwise, you're sort of, you're just noise to the world. Right. There's so much out there and so many things competing for our attention. Um, you know, we've all got jobs. We've all got hobbies and entertainment. And then there's tons of news. There's tons of, uh, you know, cat stories on the Internet. It's yeah. like, what is it that's going to get somebody's attention and let them know that even if it's the perfect thing for them, um, you know, getting it to them and getting it noticed is hard to do. Um, and so, as you're saying, I think you need, you know, maybe a lucky break um, to get noticed by somebody. And then that generates the momentum that makes it, easier for somebody to say, hey, I want to pass this on. One thing about Kickstarter that is really great for entrepreneurs is that it's a built-in story. People like narratives. They like hearing stories. And even more than that, they like being part of something. And with Kickstarter, every campaign is about a person who has an idea. And they're putting it out there. Um, and then it's you know, it's got this, this uh, there's something about it that other people want to uh, contribute to and take part in, help somebody realize their dream, um, get in on the ground level. Of course, there are lots of stories out there. So among all the Kickstarter, <laughs> things, um, how do you get to be the one that captures people's imagination and they start to see themselves participating in? You know, it's, uh, for us, it's a time when more and more people are talking about the benefits of standing um, and the dangers of sitting. So, you know, it's, it's a good moment. We've got that uh, benefit that there's all this new research coming out and keeping it at the fore of people's minds. 
Yeah, that's what I was going to say. If you would have tried to come up with this five years ago, I don't think it would have worked. Yeah, right. Um, well, you know, five years ago, I never would have thought that um, I would start a business. Uh, never would have thought that I would invent something. Um, so it's, it's pretty surprising to me. I come from an academic background. I, um, I teach Arabic, and I also, uh, as I mentioned, work in university administration. Um, so I was, you know, thinking about, you know, I was in graduate school, thinking about jobs, staying in a university. Um, and I think some of my hobbies led to this a little bit. I, um, while I was writing the dissertation, needed other things to keep myself occupied. And one of those was starting to learn how to build a dining table by checking out some YouTube videos and finding some shop space and jumping in and learning by trial and error, uh, with some guidance, of course, have to protect those fingers. But yeah. <laughs> uh, the the idea that um, when something, when you want to do something, there are ways to figure out how to do it, and that gave me the confidence to decide to try to solve the problem of uh, this portable standing desk problem uh, for myself. I didn't know that you. Well, of course, I didn't know because we didn't. We we only talked via email up until this point but the fact that you were meditating and came up with this is pretty mind-blowing to me because you know if you haven't had a chance to check out my show I've probably mentioned out of the hundred plus episodes meditation or attaining a meditative state by walking in nature or using sensory deprivation tanks I mean it's popped up probably 60 episodes out of a hundred something so I mean yeah the benefits are real I am totally convinced. Um, my job is really stressful for me um, in that there's a lot to do, a lot of hard decisions. Um, sometimes it's delivering bad news. Um, sometimes it's dealing with hard emotions, um, anger, disappointment, fear that students are experiencing and needing some support with. And sitting in those conversations became much easier for me because of the meditation practice I started when I got this job a few years ago, recognizing that these are intense emotions that the student is feeling and that I'm feeling too, uh, but that this, like everything, uh, has a beginning and has an end, and you can just experience it, breathe, feel it, and know that it's going to pass. Um, it gave me a real sense of peace, um, or a greater sense of peace than I otherwise would have had in, in my job. And so it was around uh, the time that I started this job that I started a uh, morning meditation practice, um, sitting for about 20 minutes a day. Um, I used a, a podcast um, called Get Some Headspace. They had a free trial version, and then I um, downloaded some longer guided meditations. Um, and just following your breath, um, being able just to sit and to exist, uh, produces, I think for me, a kind of re resilience. Um, and, you know, it could also be that it uh, gives you some more creativity. Um, it, it was certainly the case that it was, you know, when I sat down and I was following my breath, but then when my mind wandered away from my breath, it was towards this idea that <laughs> you could make something, um, some portable stand that collapses and you know, one of the, the insights was that you don't have to build from the floor um, to have a standing desk. Just about everywhere we go, there are tables and desks that are standard height, you know, 29 to 30 inches. 
And so you need a platform that fits your body, that's the right height for you, um, that raises your laptop about 12, 14 inches off the table, uh, depending on how tall you are. Um, and so, you know, it, uh, it was one of the side benefits. It wasn't the reason that I got into meditation, uh, but it's just one of the many unexpected blessings that um, mindful, mindfulness and meditation can bring. That's great. I'm surprised, or actually not surprised, to hear that you say headspace because I think that's what everybody uses now. I've even yeah. seen, like, when I look over clients' paperworks to do, you know, consultations, if they had workups from previous health people, there's usually an, a recommendation. You need to meditate. Use headspace. So it's kind yeah. of funny that that is so mainstream now, but that's great, yeah. man. It's um, a real easy way to... Um, ease into it and kind of get this introduction and have somebody walk you through it. Um, you know, a nice, I don't know, British or Australian accent as well. That's, uh, that's right. kind of fun in the meditation. But Well, let's, I want to back up a little bit before that. I mean, how would you even think that you needed to get into meditation? I mean, did you read about it somewhere or, or what? Yeah. So um, I have a, a close friend who works for a health insurance company and he's in their mindfulness program. And so he is uh, steeped in um, the mindfulness and meditation world. And it, so it was something that he was doing that um, got me and my wife, Lindsay, interested as well. Um, he you know, went to a conference and you know, saw, met John Kabat-Zinn, one of the big names in the field. And um, he started meditating. He started writing a blog about meditation. Um, and... It's, it's just one of those things where we're affected by the people who are close to us. Uh, you know, we like our friends. We think our friends are cool. And so when something enters their life that is meaningful and makes a difference, then you start becoming curious. You start becoming open uh, to this as well. And um, it's possible that he was the one that recommended uh, Headspace, or it may have been one that we just stumbled upon when, when I thought it was time to start trying this out for myself. That's awesome. Do you know what his blog's name is right off? Um, I am uh, going to type it in. Yeah. Let's see, if I, <laughs> see if it's hidden in there. Uh, let me, uh, it'll come to me in five minutes. This is the sort of thing where. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll come, I'll, I'll come back to it in one second. That sounds good. Yeah, because I know a lot of people that listen to the show, they're into meditation and it's always good to just sort of read into people's experience. I don't know if you've ever heard of the website called Arrowid before. It's a website uh, where people just document their different uses of plants and certain drugs and chemicals and all that. And if you haven't spent time on there, I mean, as an academic yourself, it's one of the most interesting things to see inside of people's minds where they're talking about meditating and then they're out in the wilderness and things like that. It's just... Um, which is kind of want to get this guy's blog because a lot of people would like to read in because you can, you can get into some pretty unique states of of mind and you know I've had out of body experiences myself when I was in a float tank for two hours. Okay. Uh, I did a two and a half hour float. Do you know what those are, float tanks? I've heard this where you know the water is your temperature mm -hmm. and you're floating, so it's not like anything is pressing into you. Um, it's dark. Um, is yeah, that you're, yeah you're floating in about a thousand pounds of Epsom salt and water, so you're mm. just on the surface of the water, and it's basically meditation times a hundred. 
it's amazing how you can get that, get that other perspective um, through meditation, um, and in this case, through the float tank. Is it something that you've gone back for more sessions in? Is it oh, something yeah. you can break? Yeah, well, I used to do it a lot more when I lived down in Austin because I had a friend who owned a float tank center down there, so I got to go float for free because it is about <laughs> 75 bucks or so for an hour. So, yeah. you know, it gets pricey. It's kind of like a massage cost. But uh, since I've moved back to Kentucky, I haven't had the chance to float yet. And I'm kind of needing to, but it's about two-hour drive in any direction to go get to one. Yeah. And I have yeah. some friends that want to open up one here, but the health departments, depending on what state you're in, they have crazy laws because they don't understand what they are. So, you know, a couple years ago, I was going to open up a float tank center here, and they said, oh, well, you'll have to have a lifeguard on duty because that's considered a pool. And it's huh. like, okay, you know. But then yeah. I moved to Texas, so the plan kind of disappeared. But there's still not a float tank here, you know, in the Louisville, Kentucky area. I mean, so there is a huge market for it. And uh, I think people are ready for it. It's just something that's not here yet. I guarantee where you are, mm -hmm. um, there's a website that you should look up and people listening can too. It's called Flotation Locations. Okay. And – you should look that up and see what's around you and go try it out. Your first experience will be definitely the best yeah. um, because you don't know what to expect. So you just go in there and then that's when you can fully let yourself go. And uh, ah. you being an experienced meditator, you would you would thrive in that environment. Right. I will definitely check out um, flotation locations. Uh-huh. Okay. And I found the um, my friend's website. Uh, it came to me, adventuresinmeditating.com. Okay, that's sweet. I'll put that up. Adventures in Meditating, and he, he refers to himself as the recalcitrant meditator. Um, he's got a really witty and uh, kind of ironic take on it all. It's kind of about his own personal journey um, in leading a more mindful life, yeah. trying to figure out the best way to, uh, yeah, just to go about this life we've got. Yep. It's a, it's a strange thing. A lot of people are waking up and trying to figure out what can I do to, I mean, I guess in your case, what can I do to solve a problem for myself but help people at the same time but make some money and be able to eat some good food at the same time? Right. Know? Yeah. It's um, thinking about how we live our lives um, and what the, what's, uh, you know, what's working, what isn't working. And, you know, I mentioned all this research and evidence, and I think people have personal experiences as well, that sitting just makes you feel lethargic, um, it can hurt your back, um, and on the other hand, when you stand up and kind of go back and forth, that little bit of movement creates energy and focus, um, and it's healthier in the long run. Um, you know, something, you know, one of the principles that I've realized works for me is that uh, it's kind of like uh, slow and steady wins the race trying to work into my life lots of little habits that are going to make me healthier that doesn't really feel like exercise it doesn't feel like a chore um, it's just something that I do without really thinking about but which um, supports in a very meaningful way uh, the healthy lifestyle that I want to want to lead yeah, man, you know, something I, I wanted to make sure I ask you about is, is there a wrong way to stand? Because, you know, if you, t if you talk to bank tellers or, you know, cashiers, people like that, they'll say that standing all day sucks and it kills you. 
Yeah, I think uh, there's probably some truth in that too. Um, the the key is to not be in the same position for too long, and I think this is whether you're sitting or whether you're standing. You want to be kind of moving and shifting, and so especially if somebody is new to standing while they work, I would say um, just go back and forth. You know, maybe 20 minutes one, 20 minutes the other, um, and really listen to your body as you are developing the muscles and the endurance um, to do this. Um, I find that if I stand for an hour and a half, um, my lower back and my knees can start tightening up. And so that's a sign that I need to, uh, that maybe I've gone a little too long. (laughs) But while you're standing, um, you know, going back from one foot to another, um, you know, it's it's pretty easy to have a little impromptu dance party, you know, just... Uh, get that movement and feel a little bit of the joy, um, be able to express the emotions that are going through you as you are doing your, doing your work or whatever uh, entertainment you've got online. Um, so I think that's uh, building in some little movements into it is the, the easiest recommendation that I would have. Like right now, I'm trying to, I, I keep trying to adjust my I don't know if I would call it the bend in my knee. So sometimes I'll add a little bit more bend and springiness. I think that helps too. I think, yeah, not locking your knees um, is key. Um, I would, you know, my sense is that you don't want to arch your back. If anything, um, make the back a little bit straighter by uh, rotating, you know, the pelvis a little bit. There are different things you can do um, with the orientation of your pelvis that affects how standing feels. Um, and that's something that I think, while I can't explain myself, it's something I've read a little about a little bit, and I think your listeners could find uh, some information online about that, about um, different standing postures and what, what feels good. So it's mainly just, I mean, what I've kind of learned and experimenting in this for myself, it's not that you have to stand all eight hours of the day, and yeah. you probably would be feeling... <laughs> pretty tired and exhausted from that but just to break up the sitting exactly yeah so you know the studies that i've seen suggest that when you sit for more than 40 minutes um your metabolism starts shifting your metabolism really starts grinding to a halt and so that's what you want to prevent and the way you prevent it you just get up and move around a little bit um so you know, if you don't have access to a standing desk, one thing that you can do is just every 40, 45 minutes, get up and take a short little walk around, um, get the blood flowing again, engage the muscles, um, and then come back, come back to your seat. Um, but if you do have a standing desk, then, you know, just when you're on your feet, your muscles are engaged more consistently. Um, I feel my body temperature rising a little bit, which is a sign to me that Um, My muscles are doing a little bit of work, my core muscles and my leg muscles. Um, And so just that little bit of extra exertion um, prevents the body from kind of slumping into some lethargy or becoming complacent. Uh, Yeah, That's good. I didn't think about that. I guess I am warmer too because sometimes sometimes you'll get cold just sitting there. Your hands and your feet will get cold and typing becomes harder, especially in the winter where you are. You're freezing. That's right. Yeah, so this is one way to, uh, you know, uh, keep, keep yourself a little bit more comfortable, either in a heavily air-conditioned office or 
or else during the winter you're you're at home and the temperature's a little bit lower. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask about sourcing too because it's just amazing. You guys, you know, I was so grateful to get the bamboo model that you yeah. have. How does that work? I mean, talk us through where where does the bamboo somebody's growing that and then they're cutting it and shipping it on a boat? I mean, how does this work? That's right. amazing. Right. Yeah, so we use two different materials, uh, bamboo and birch. And um, they're both recognized as being very sustainable materials. Uh, they do come from overseas to uh, northern Wisconsin where we manufacture it. Uh, the bamboo comes from China. The birch, uh, Baltic birch, comes from the Baltic region um, in northern Europe. Um, so bamboo is technically not wood. It's a grass. And... What makes it so sustainable is that if it's harvested properly, it just regrows from the same roots. And so, you know, it can grow, I think I've seen this, up to, you know, feet, several feet per day. Yes, that's crazy. Um, and uh, birch, I think there are um, regulations uh, in Europe to um, make sure that it's harvested uh, sustainably. Um, so we import those materials and then we manufacture them in northern Wisconsin at my uh, friend's cabinetry shop. Um, I mentioned the same one that I, I worked in a couple summers when I was in college. Um, and one of the things that excited me about starting a business was uh, contributing to the economy in my hometown. Um, so it's uh, not only do we get to kind of see and take part in the manufacturing process, but we get the satisfaction of um, kind of giving back to people who have helped me along the way. Yeah, I was going to say, I bet it was mixed emotions, probably more excitement than anything else, but you working there and then just kind of moving <laughs> on in life, and now all of a sudden you're back in this shop and you're making something. Right, right. No, it's uh, there's something about going back to places we've been, you know, the places we've come from and maybe move away from, and then um, this is something that ties me uh, to that region, um, more, you know, I'm, I'm pretty settled here in the Boston area, um, working at the university. I see myself here, um, you know, indefinitely, but, you know, my parents are still in Superior. I still have family and friends back in the Midwest, and this is a way to ensure that I'll keep going back there to keep, uh, or, you know, to help in the shop, um, maybe make some new designs, or else just put in a week of work building stand stands and seeing how to improve the process. That's cool. So, I mean, when you first when you first made this batch, this Kickstarter batch, you got fully funded, and you had to make X amount of stand stands. I mean, how much wood did you bring in? I mean, was this pallets or what? How did this work? It is. Uh, it was incredible. So, um, you know, we had to make about eighteen hundred stand stands. Um, each stand stand has three panels, three panels that interlock and form this stable surface. Um, each panel is about a foot by a one foot by one foot. So this is, uh, sheets upon sheets, pallets upon pallets of the birch and the bamboo. And those three weeks were really intense. Um, I was stuck in Massachusetts because that's finals period. I had to be at the university, but Lindsay went back, uh, and Paul was back there. He had a full shop working, you know, 40 hours a week plus, uh, we had friends coming in. You know, my parents were volunteering in the evenings. Uh, Lindsay's parents were there. Paul's dad got in the shop. So it was, uh, it felt a lot like the family coming from far and wide to bring in the harvest together. Uh, we wouldn't have made our goal if, if so many people hadn't volunteered and contributed. 
uh, to helping us ship those scan stands on time. Uh, but we've got some great um, pictures of that process on our Kickstarter page. If you search for stand stand on Kickstarter and look back at some of the updates, you can see uh, photos of that process and some of the really incredible work that, that people put in to, to meet that goal. That's awesome. Man, you know, something, a, a really nice touch. There's two nice touches that, actually three nice touches I like about this. One was the branding, sort of the imprint into yeah. the bottom of it. The second one is very subtle, but super helpful for me. The little, I don't even know what you would call it, like a little white rubber foot. Oh, yeah. That yeah. Super I, nice. The uh, the technical term uh, is a, it's like a bump on, bump on or something like that, if you wanted to search for them on Amazon. Mm -hmm. uh, but the little rubber feet um, on the corners of the base to both protect uh the wood surface, if you're putting it on a nice table, um, to help it stay in place a little bit, um, give it some some grip onto your surface, um, and then also kind of help level out um, if your table is not perfectly level. Um, but I'm, I'm glad you like those. Um, the logo on the side, that actually um, takes a certain amount of time to etch into the wood. Oh, really? uh, but but it, uh, uh, it's kind of a, a neat little thing. And that logo has a story behind it. Um, the you know the logo comes from the top panel. What the what uh, one of the pieces looks like. There's a face on this top panel, and that it wasn't like I set out and think, ah, let's put a face that has this little bit of energy and kind of a uh, crazy little smile on it. Um, but it all came about through the function of how this thing locked together and what it did. So the eyes of the face are where the base panels lock into the top panel. And then um, when I was doing the prototyping last summer, I was carving away wood from the base panel to make the, the whole thing lighter. And since I had carved away wood from the center of those, I thought, well, I should uh, put a hole in the top panel as well to make a handle when the three pieces stack together. Um, and then when I started drawing that circle, that circle plus the two uh, slanted mortises is what um, those holes are called, um, it started all of a sudden looking like eyes and a mouth. And then the next step was when dowels were added um, that hold the pieces together when you stack them. Uh, you could put those dowels anywhere, but you know if you've already got a eyes and a mouth, why not make little dimples with them? So that's where the face came from. Uh, the name has a funny story as well. Um, finding a name for the product was was really hard. Um, we went through a number of possibilities. Um, and it was actually uh, my brother-in-law, Lindsay's uh, brother, Travis, who suggested, you know, it came to him pretty quickly. How about stand stand? It's a stand that allows you to stand. And that was, uh, that was the front runner for about, you know, four weeks, about a month until we had to shoot our Kickstarter video. And we kept looking, you know, I wasn't sold until, until that day. But, you know, when we did the Kickstarter video, we had to go with a name. And that's the one that was at the top of the list. And since then, it's grown on me, I guess, uh, the longer you live with something, the more you uh, start to feel attached to it. Well, simplicity is always good, too. I mean, you probably were trying to come up with, like, super cool, futuristic, trendy words, too, weren't you? That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. uh, just thinking about where products get their name is, is, is a, uh, a funny thing to do. You think about cars and shoes and all the crazy things that we call them, and there's no reason to call it that. It's just somebody picks a name that has certain connotations or certain ideas and and it's you know 
over over a period of time and through their marketing uh, sticks with it. But in our case, it was something that um, was simple. It was descriptive, and it had this little a uh, little bit of energy. I guess I uh, it made me think of that uh, little Caesar's Pizza Pizza guy. Yep. I don't know if that was before your time. No, but, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it has. Uh, I could also almost imagine the, the the face and the logo saying uh, "Stand Stand." Yeah, p- people they'll have to go to your website and look at look at this because it looks. When I first opened it, I kind of laughed because it's like a little Asian guy looking like. Yeah. A little, <laughs> I know. Yep. The um, little slant. A figure, almost like an emoji. Yeah. Uh huh. That's great. Well, I'm putting you on the spot here, but I didn't know if it's possible if we can get listeners some kind of special coupon code or anything like that if they hear this and they want to get one. That's right. Uh, we'd be happy to do that. Um, how about uh, for the next uh, month, if they go to our website and use the coupon code not just paleo, all one word, and uh, we'd give a $10 discount for, uh, for any stand stand that they buy. That's great. I'm surprised that it exists in 2015. I feel like this was something I'd have to wait five more years for something to come out. You know, that's really great. I'm, you know, so glad that you found us. You know, however you did, stumbled upon us, and that, um, you know, it, it means a lot to me um, that I put something out in the world that can benefit other people at least a little bit. And, you know, when I see somebody using a stand stand, it just you know makes me so excited. Either um, it's so far, it's mainly photos that people send or post on Twitter or Facebook. Um, I haven't yet gone to my local Starbucks and seen <laughs> a stranger using one of these, but you know, that'll be the day. I can't wait. Yep. Yep. Well, we keep spreading the word and hopefully that'll, that day will come soon. That will be a trip, won't it? You'll have to go up and introduce yourself at that point. I'm sure. I know. Yep. That's great. Well, I don't know if there's any last words of wisdom that you wanted to share with people and, you know, give people your, your information if you, they want to keep up with you on social media, stuff like that. Sure. Yeah. Just uh, want to say thanks again, Evan, for having us. And um, if people want to check us out at standstand.com. Um, and as I said, um, that coupon code, not just paleo, you can order a stand stand for $10 off the regular price. Um, we're on Facebook um, and also on Twitter at GetStandStand. Um, feel free to reach out, ask any questions you've got, info at standstand.com. And, you know, as far as last words, um, I take a lot of inspiration from websites like yours and people like you who, um, you know, have got this desire to make things better. You know, we've got one life, we've got one chance at living in this world, and uh, there are a lot of different ways to do it, and some thoughtful intention about what works, uh, what are your goals, how do you get there, how can you stay healthy through, through the long haul. Um, you know, that I think is uh, one of the ways that I try to live my life and I think that's um, one of the reasons why Stan Stan came into being. So, um, you know, look forward to seeing what comes next, both for myself and also everybody else out there and all the other innovations that people are going to bring. Yeah, that gives me goosebumps thinking about it because we're we're at a turning point and and I believe honestly we're at this fork in the road and you know, we can keep doing what's not working and continue the health crisis or we can sort of branch out a little bit and get creative and 
get inspired. And I mean, look what one little meditation session did for you. So, I mean, if people aren't convinced that they need to start some sort of routine, then do it now and get the Headspace app and get going on this. Because like I tell people, there's so many, I think every every person has a little bit of entrepreneurship within them. I mean, even when I was in middle school, I was selling hot fries and Skittles. I'd buy them at Sam's Club for a nickel or whatever and sell it for a dollar, you know? So I've always had this mindset and I think everybody has a piece of them that they have an idea, whether you're out drinking one night where, you know, your inhibitions are lowered and you're a little bit more creative or whatever it is. I think everybody's written something down on a napkin or a little piece of paper and they've just shoved it into the little knickknack drawer at their house and they've let it die off and... Uh, you know, you're somebody who actually took something and put it into the physical world. And for me, I commend you for that because everything's going digital. I mean, myself, I've written eBooks. Uh, I need, I'll send you my book too. I think you'll like this one. I actually printed this one out, Stress Solutions. Um, I'll send you one of these. But it's great. But for you to use technology to create something, a physical product. I think is cool again. I think the pendulum has swung so far where everything's digital. So to have a piece of wood in my hand and to put that on my desk, that's cool. Nice. Nice. We're digital. If I just had a a top 10 reasons to stand ebook, it would not nearly have the emotional appeal to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, That's right. Creating something tangible, something that you can feel. um, That's something that I've, uh, you know, been fortunate to gain a little bit of confidence doing um, through that college job that I had or through just trying to put shelves up in the house or fix small things. Um, you know, there's, uh, I think we can do more than we realize we can if we just jump in and are willing to give it a shot. Yep, definitely. Well, thanks, Luke. It's been awesome talking to you, man. And we'll send people back to your website and then go pick up some desk. Awesome. Thanks so much, Evan. Great to meet you. Thank you. All right, I hope you enjoyed that episode. It was definitely a decompression episode from some of the science that we normally talk about. If you haven't signed up for the newsletter yet, you can do that back at notjustpaleo.com, and you can get access to five guides there that I've written, anything ranging from how to remove the toxins in your home to how to calm your nervous system and learning about what you can do to put yourself into a more relaxed state of mind. All those guides are available back at notjustpaleo.com. You'll see it in the top of the menu bar, must-have guides. And if you are looking to get some help one-on-one with me, I have now started doing a four-month coaching plan again, and there are 11 spots left. It's just too hard to just speak with someone one time and then assume that everything is just going to fall into place. And it's it's quite a lot of work just for one consult with somebody, and then I may never hear from you again. So in my experience, it takes at least a few months to get things really falling into place, whether you're someone that wants to compete in a bodybuilding competition Maybe you're somebody that is working out in CrossFit or maybe you just have some autoimmune issues or some other type of health issues that you're trying to get resolved that just aren't going to happen with one hour with someone. So there are 11 spots available. One person has signed up for this already without me mentioning it here, but it's a four-month commitment with me and it's honestly the most fun that I've ever had in my life running these monthly specials like this because you really get to know myself and we get to just 
not only have a blast together, but it's fun to actually have an accountability partner for your health that you can check in with every week. And we can tweak your supplement protocols and add in or subtract some lifestyle and nutritional measures where they're needed. And I see that the the four-month period is just a really effective time. You know, I say six to eight weeks is sort of the beginning phases of getting help if you're trying to improve your life. But when you start getting into 12 and 16 weeks, it's incredible what type of change you can make there. So if you're interested in that, just head back to the website, not just paleo.com, and click on coaching, and you'll see the option there. And if you have any questions, feel free to email me, not just paleo at gmail, and I would be happy to let you know whether I could help you or not. So I'll talk to you next week. Uh, I'm still writing my Everything Nootropic book. I'm almost finished with the first draft, so that should be coming out probably by Christmas or so. Uh, maybe a, a fun present for somebody. I'm not sure when it's going to be out, depending on the publisher, uh, but stay tuned. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. He acts like it's all good, yeah, like everything's cool. Kiss a girl and I never please her. She doesn't have a clue that he's terrible rules. Why I'm in a tire, got to watch out, girl. Don't wanna see her by her eyes out, girl. Cause I've been walking.